The book of Genesis, chapter 13, verse number 5. And Lot also, which went with Abram, had flocks and herds and tents, and the land was not able to bear them, that they might dwell together, for their substance was great, so that they could not dwell together. And there was a strife between the herdmen of Abram's cattle and the herdmen of Lot's cattle, and the Canaanite and the Perizzite dwelled then in the land. Abram said unto Lot, Let there be no strife, I pray thee, between me and thee, and between my herdmen and thy herdmen, for we be brethren. Is not the whole land before thee? Separate thyself, I pray thee, from me. If I will take the left hand, then I will go to the right. Or if I depart to the right hand, then I will go to the left. And Lot lifted up his eyes, and beheld all the plain of Jordan, that it was well watered everywhere, before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah, even as the garden of the Lord, like the land of Egypt, as thou comest unto Zor. Then Lot chose him all the plain of Jordan. And Lot journeyed east, and they separated themselves the one from the other. Abram dwelled in the land of Canaan, and Lot dwelled in the cities of the plain, and pitched his tent toward Sodom. But the men of Sodom are wicked and sinners before the Lord exceedingly. Let us pray. Our precious Heavenly Father, as I bow before you, I thank you for the Word of God and for another privilege to preach. Lord, you know how I need you today. And I pray, O oh God, that you would give me wisdom and the power of the Holy Spirit. And may I just be a vessel that you could fill and use. Lord, I pray that you'd Minister the Word of God to needy hearts today, to anyone that's lost, and to everyone that's come this way to hear from God. I pray that I could have a message that will help them. Bless our time together, and we'll thank you in the name of Jesus. Amen. You may be seated. I'll talk to you today about eternal choices. Choices are very important. I believe every decision ought to be prayed over and decided with eternity in mind uh, because many of our decisions will affect us for eternity. Uh, if you go up to the top of the mountain up at Cox's Creek, I believe there's a sign there that says the Continental Divide. And let's say you have a house that's, uh, that's located on that line and uh, one side of the roof uh, pitches toward one side and another toward the other side and you have a, a rainstorm and the rain comes down and you have one drop that hits just a half inch beyond the peak of the house and on each side Yet those raindrops will have different destinies. One will flow into Grassy Creek, into Tow River, into the Tennessee River, into the Mississippi River, and into the Gulf of Mexico. The other one will uh, come down Cox's Creek into the Catawba River and ultimately into the Atlantic Ocean. So close together and yet Two different destinies. Choices are very important. 
Uh, you know, uh, I, when we started our Christian school years ago now, I remember Dr. Howard making a statement that I've never forgotten. He says, you're training children for eternity. And I had never saw it in that light. I thought, well, you're training them for life. You're training them for the things they'll face in this world. But in reality, you are training them for eternity. And he said something else. He says, you only get one chance. You can't go back. Sometimes you like to. But you only get one chance. If you blow that, then you don't have any more. And so that is true as far as life, as far as education, but it's also true about even more important things. It's true in the matter of salvation. The greatest decision of all is the decision whether to be saved or whether to not be saved. Because that decision will most certainly affect our eternity. It will affect eternity in heaven or eternity in hell just by a simple choice. God made it so simple that even a child could understand it. And uh, we have examples in the Bible of, of those that dealt with this decision in Genesis chapter 4 after Adam and Eve had sinned against God in the Garden of Eden. Those first two boys twin boys, I think, uh, were called upon to make, a, make this important decision. They were different. Cain was a farmer. Uh, Abel was a cattleman. And in process of time, they brought an offering to the Lord. Cain followed in the footsteps of his mom and dad who initially tried to clothe their nakedness with, coats, uh, with uh, fig leaves. And the Lord rejected that and brought them the coats of skin, showing that blood must be shed for the payment of sin. We have Cain brought uh, the fruit of the ground, and God rejected his offering. Abel brought the first sins of the flock, and the Lord received his offering. Uh, Cain became angry. God pled with him and reasoned with him to bring the right offering. But he refused. And instead of obeying God, he ended up killing his brother and brought the curse of God upon him and his, uh, his uh, children that would follow him. But uh, he rejected, just like people today are rejecting the blood of Christ and trying to get in some other way, but you can't get in any other way except to the blood of Christ. Then we have, of course, in Genesis 25. In fact, I just want you to turn there. Uh, this is one of my favorite scriptures. The story of Esau and Jacob. Two other twin boys, but completely different. And they were different, different in appearance. Esau, now think of this, they were twin boys. Esau was Harry, real Harry. <laughs> And my son Billy, he's, he takes after uh, his, uh, his mom's side and, and uh, he has a lot of, a lot of hair. Uh, and I kid him about it. 
But, uh, but uh, how hairy was Esau? He was so hairy that when he deceived his father, they took the skin of a goat and, and put on him so his father could, could feel that skin of that goat. Now, he was really hairy. And Jacob, on the other hand, was, was, was not that. He was completely different. Twin boys. Now, anyone that's ever had more than one child knows all children are different. They look different. They may favor one another in some way, but they're all different. They usually have different interests. I know Billy, he, was, he, he loved math and uh, when he was in school and ended up a uh, computer science uh, uh, programmer. And, and Sandy loved English, and uh, they, they, were, they were different. They had different interests. Of course, they were boys and girls. Naturally, they were different in that way. But here is two twin boys that are completely different. But they're different also in interests. Now Esau was a man after my own heart. He was a deer hunter. He had to be all right. <laughs> uh, the Bible said he was a cunning hunter. He was, he was good. He is better than I am. I'm not so good right now. But, uh, uh, and Isaac loved Esau. Now if I was going to pick the boys, I'd say Esau is my kind of fellow. Jacob, he liked to cook. Now, when I was growing up, we'd call him a sissy. <laughs> now, now, there's nothing wrong with cooking, <laughs> of course, but, uh, but he was in it. He liked to stay around the house. He liked to stay around Mama. He liked to help Mama. And Esau liked to hunt. Who would you pick? <laughs> I know some fellows who they'd pick. <laughs> they'd be like me. But, but Esau was a hunter. And Isaac loved Esau because he ate of his venison, the Bible said. He liked that deer meat. And uh, Re Rebecca, rather, loved Jacob, naturally. He helped her out around the house, and, and he was mama's boy, and, and he, she loved him. And, uh, but you know something? As much as I admire Esau, there was something else about Esau that wasn't so good. He cared nothing for God. He was interested in, in the outdoors. He was interested in hunting. He was interested in a good time. He was interested in self. He wasn't interested in anybody else. One day, Esau was out hunting. And he came in, and as hunters are, they was tired and hungry. And uh, he, uh, Jacob was cooking. And he had some soup going, and, and, uh, and Esau said, Brother Jacob, uh, how about giving me something to eat? Have mercy on your brother. And he said, Sell me your birthright. Now, the birthright was very important. That meant something. It was a typified spiritual things. And Esau said, uh, Well, I'm about to starve to death. I don't care nothing about any kind of birthright. Take it. Give me something to eat. And Esau was like a lot of young people. I'm young. I'm healthy. I'm a hunter. I nothing's wrong with me. I don't need God. That's for old people. 
That's not for me. I don't care nothing about God. I don't care nothing about religion. Take your birthright. I've got plenty of time. I'll think about that later. But all you see, the decisions and the choices you make while you're young affect you when you're old and affect you for eternity. And uh, later on, the time for the blessing came, and Isaac is old and about to die. He calls his boys in and said, it's time to bless. And he tells Esau, he said, Esau, go kill me some meat. Go out hunting. You know how to fix it like I like it. You bring it back, and, that, and I'll bless you, Esau. You're my firstborn. You're my pick. I love you. I'm going to give you the blessing. And his mama heard about it. She said, Jacob, I'm going to get the blessing for you. Esau's not going to have it. I want you to go out there and get a kid of the goats, and I'll fix it, and he won't know the difference. He can't half see anyway. And, and uh, he, Jacob said, why, he'll want, he'll want to feel me. He'll, he'll know that I'm not Esau. And they killed, the, take the skin of the goat, and they put it, put it on his neck, I believe it was, and, and uh, uh, Jacob comes in and to his father and said, Father, I've, he said, oh, you've got, you got it fast. Oh, the Lord is with me. He said, oh, you, he said, let me feel you. And he came near and he feel him. He said, you, you talk like Jacob, but you feel like Esau. Be careful that you don't trust your feelings above God has chosen by faith cometh by hearing, hearing the word of God. You get saved by what you hear, not what you see or feel. And he blessed Jacob. And later Esau came in and said, Father, I come for the blessing. He said, oh, who are you? He said, I'm Esau. He said, oh, I've done blessed your brother. I've given it to your brother. Now, there's a lot of things about Jacob that are disgustable. He was a supplanter. He was a crook. But you know something about Jacob? He got, he got right later. One thing about Jacob, he was interested in eternity. He was interested in eternal things. He made a choice. Esau, the Bible says, I want, you to, I want you to look at what Hebrews says. Look, look in the Word of God, Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12, page 1303, uh, verse uh, 16 and 17. Lest there be any fornicator or profane person as Esau, who for one morsel of meat sold his birthright. For you know how that afterward, when he would have inherited the blessing, he was rejected, for he found no place of repentance. Though he sought it carefully with tears. You, listen, folks, you can wait too late. You can pass up your accepted time. You can put it off till it's too late. And those choices and those decisions made in life affect us for a long, long time. Be careful about the choices. The two thieves on the cross in Luke 23 made different choices. One said, if you're the Christ, get off of the cross and get us off of the cross. You know what he was saying? All I'm interested in is getting off of this cross. I don't care nothing about who you are or what you can do. If you're, if you're who, you, who they say you are, why don't you do something? 
The other one said, don't you fear God, seeing you're in the same condemnation. We indeed justly, we receive the due reward of our deeds, but this man had done nothing amiss. He says, he says, we are here because we deserve to be here. We're criminals. This man is a son of God. He said, Lord, remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. And Jesus said unto him, Verily I say unto thee, Today shalt thou be with me in paradise. Here's the, here's the Son of God on a cross. On one side is one thief, on the other side is other thief. They come by and they break the legs of the thieves and they smother to death because they couldn't go up and down on the cross to get their breath. And one goes to hell and the other one goes to paradise by the choice that they made. If you made that choice of salvation, you have to make it sometime in this life because there's no chance after you're dead. The eternity is affected by that choice. Not only that, but there's another important choice, and that is the choice of who I will serve. In the book of Joshua, <clears throat> chapter 24, the book of Joshua 24 and verse 15. Now Joshua, you remember, succeeded Moses. Moses had led Israel out of Egypt through the, uh, through the wilderness. And Joshua is the one that's going to lead him into the promised land. And he does. And God, uh, God delivers Jericho into his hand and the Lord is with Joshua. And in verse 15 of Joshua 24, now uh, verse 15 and if it seem evil unto you to serve the Lord, choose you this day whom you will serve, whether the gods which your fathers served that were on the other side of the flood or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Now, I used, I used to read that, and I said, now, now here's, here's Joshua. He got these little kids running around. And he says, uh, now, you make your choice, I made mine. He said, me and my family, we're going to serve God. <coughs> it's not that way. Joshua's an old man. His kids are grown. He's probably got grandchildren, maybe great-grandchildren. Now, now it's saying a whole, something a whole lot different. He says, me and my house, we're going to serve God. What a testimony. What a blessing that you can live your life and grow up and your children know God and your grandchildren know God and the whole family is serving God. What a blessing. And I realize that's not the case many times, but what a blessing it is. He says, we're going to serve God. But you know why Joshua could say that? Because many years before, old Joshua got saved and Joshua decided he's going to serve God. And he raised those children up to know God and they decided they're going to serve God. And though they raised their kids up, their grandkids, and they decided they're going to serve God. And they said, the whole bunch of us, we're going to serve God. What a blessing that is. But you know something? It all started with old Joshua one day. 
And you see, the choices that you make in life not only affect you, but they affect your children and your grandchildren, your great-grandchildren, and several generations. That's why we need to serve God. You know, if I fell into sin and wickedness against God, and I honestly asked God to forgive me of my sin, God would forgive me. But the effects would not only affect me, but they would affect my family, they would affect this church, they would affect everybody in the world that knows me. It would, have, I could, it would either have a positive or a negative effect. The choices that we make in life. I think of Moses there in, in Hebrews chapter 11. You remember Moses? And uh, Moses is a great man. Moses, of course, you remember, was, uh, was a miracle baby. They hid him there, and then he ended up being adopted by Pharaoh's daughter and uh, raised up in the palace and had all the benefits of Egypt, all the benefits of a king's son, of a Pharaoh's son. Uh, there, uh, Moses had the best education. He had the best uh, pleasure he had the best clothes. He had the best of everything. And one day when Moses is 40 years old, he sees an Egyptian smiting a Hebrew and he kills him. And he hides him. And it's found out and he has to run and he goes to the wilderness there. But Hebrews has a little more to say about it and in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 23, By faith Moses, when he was born, was hid three months of his parents because they saw he was a proper child. They were not afraid of the king's commandment. By faith Moses, when he was come to years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season, esteeming the reproach of Christ Greater riches than the treasures in Egypt, for he had respect unto the recompense of the reward. Now many people look at Moses and say, Moses, you have blew it, man. You have made a bad decision. Don't you realize what you're doing? Listen, look what you've got. Look at all, look at these clothes, look at this gold, look at these houses. Look at all these things you've got. You're not going to throw all that away, are you? These Hebrews, they're just a bunch of slaves. They, they don't mean nothing. Who cares if the Egyptian kills, kills the Hebrew? Who cares? Nothing but a slave anyway. Oh, but Moses came to realize that those poor slaves, where he came from. But he had a choice to make. He made a choice. Listen, he left it all. Give up the fine clothes, the fine houses, the fine education. He no doubt was in line to the throne. He had it all. Gave it all up. Now there he is wandering about with a bunch of stinking sheep in a desert, a wilderness. Didn't have the finest clothes. People look at Moses and say, Moses, man... <laughs> I can't believe you'd make that decision. But listen, if you could talk to Moses today and ask him, Moses, 
think you made the right choice? He said, oh, yes. <laughs> yeah, I sure did. You see, he could have lived for this world. He could have the best that Egypt could offer. But when he died, that would have ended it all. But he made a choice, and he didn't enjoy the best in life. But when he got out of this world, that's when it really paid off. He made the right decision. Then we go back to Genesis 13, the scripture I read at the beginning. You say, I wonder if you're just going to say anything about that. We have another illustration here in the Word of God about Abram a lot. Abram, of course, God had told Abram to get out of the country. He, he uh, left Ur of the Chaldees. He left Iraq, what is now Iraq, and uh, to a land that God would show him. He takes Lot, he says, get away from me, father's house, you kinfolk. He takes Lot with him, Lot's dad had died. So he takes his nephew Lot. And they both become successful. They prosper. And uh, there begins, they begin to have strife and they begin to fuss and fight. And, and Abram goes to Lot and says, Lot, you know, we're, we're kinfolk, we're brethren. Let's don't let this happen. You take the right hand, I'll take the left. You take the left, I'll take the right. A lot of choice is yours. This, this shows you something about the character of Abram, Abraham. Abraham was the elder. He really was his choice to make, but uh, he, uh, he let Lot make the choice. Lot made a bad choice. Lot's decision was made on what he could see. He looked out over the plain of Jordan. He saw plenty of water. He saw that good green grass. He saw his sheep and goats and cattle getting fat. He saw the money signs ringing in his eyes. He said, that's what I want. <laughs> but you see, the Bible said the men of Sodom are wicked and sinners before the Lord exceedingly. He didn't think about that. You know, it's sad that many of the choices and the decisions that we make in life, how it will affect us spiritually is not even considered. And yet that will be the primary consideration. Not how much money I can make, but God, what do you want me to do? And how is this going to affect my eternity? Life is too short. Eternity is too long to live any other way but for God, folks. If you could get it all, you'd have to give it up. What shall it profit a man if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? And yet people make decisions about jobs based on money, how much money I can make, not what does God want me to do. That ought to be the primary consideration, the primary issue. And that brings me to another point in Matthew chapter 6. The eternal decisions about what we support and how we invest our effort and our money and our time. In Matthew 6, verse 19 and 20, Lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth where moth and rust doth corrupt and where thieves break through and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt, and where thieves do not break through nor steal. Verse 21, for where your treasure is, there will your heart be also, and it's hard to get away from that. 
to laying out of the thieves. I remember I, my dad had a 55 Chevrolet, green and white. And I got that car from my dad, and boy, I kept that thing shined up, washed and shined. And that was the pride and joy of my life, that 55 Chevrolet. If I had it now, I could probably get a brand new car for it. Maybe more after Brother Bill there got through with it. <laughs> but uh, one day I noticed there's some rust. No matter how much I shine, how much I washed, the thing began to rust. And my heart fell. But you know, I learned a, I learned a good lesson. God was telling me, you put your affection in a car or a house or anything else, you're going to get disappointed. The rust's going to eat up. The termite's going to get it. The moth's going to get you close. And in a, in a few hundred years, there won't be any trace of any of it. Lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth, but lay up treasures in heaven. And how little we live for eternity. And that's going to really count. And then the final thing I want to mention today is who I will share my life with. And let me speak to young people especially because we adults have made our choices good or bad. And the choices you make, you live with the results. But uh, who are you going to share your life with? And I've, I've, I've encouraged young people and some have listened and some have not listened, but everybody that hadn't listened has always regretted it. I had a young man years ago, not this church, another church, and uh, he, he, was, he was in love, he said, and, and uh, he was going with this girl, and uh, he wanted to be married. And I, he asked me for counsel and advice, and I counseled him. And she was an unbeliever, and he was a believer, and I said, God forbids it. But he, he, he uh, went on anyway. He did what he wanted to do. That marriage lasted about a year. He came back and said, Preacher, I wish I'd listened. You see, God's always right. I, listen, I don't have any great insight. I'm just a man like you and I, you, you are. But God's word's never wrong. And when you follow the word of God, you don't go wrong. It's when we disobey the word of God. And most marriages today are based on lust and not love. And what is love? Husbands, love your wives even as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. Not many, we, many people I preached recently on the me generation and, and uh, we live, we're so selfish and it, most of the problems at home, most of the problems in society are caused by that very thing. Me, mine, no one else. But God says love is you live for the other person. 1 Corinthians 7 and many other scriptures. But he made a bad decision. He married 700 women. I can't comprehend that. What is a man going to do with 700 wives and 300 concubines? That wasn't enough. A thousand. I've said he must have had wives he didn't even know he had. But you know something about the Bible says that some of those wives worshipped idol gods. And when Solomon got old, 
they turned his heart away from God. Solomon made a bad decision. God never meant for any man to have but one wife and one wife to have one husband. And you make a vow and you stay together till you die. That's what God said. Come hard times, tough times, whatever. That's what God said, the way it's supposed to work. But anyway, young people, wait on God's choice. Keep your hands to yourself. Get a marriage that's based on love. And God will give you something wonderful, something precious, and something you'll cherish, and something you'll thank God for all of your life. You do it your way, forget anything this old preacher says, and pay the price. But that you say, well, now how in the world is that going to affect my eternity? Well, listen, in that marriage, no doubt, will come four children. And those children will have a living soul. They're going to live forever in heaven or hell. And the influences of that mom and dad is going to have a great impact on where they spend eternity. And if you married God's choice and both of you love God and bring four children into the world and keep those children in church and those children instructed in the ways of God, there's a greater likelihood that those children will come to know God and will spend eternity in heaven. So eternity is affected many times by the decisions that we make. I love the story of Isaac. Isaac's about 40. Abraham says, son, I think about time you got married, you're about 40. That's about right. <laughs> of course, they lived longer back then. That comes into being too. He says, you need a wife. He brings his servant and said, I want you to go find my son a wife. Now, how would you like that kind of responsibility? So he sends out Elimelech. Elimelech prays and says, Lord, you're going to have to help me. I'm putting this in my own words. I'm not quoting scripture directly. Uh, uh, you're going to have to help me. I, I, don't know who, I don't know who I need to find. He goes this well. He said, Lord... You got a wife here for Isaac? Have that woman draw water for me and the servants and the camels. Now that was quite a, quite a request. Camel drink a lot of water. Here comes Rebecca. She draws water for him and the servants said, I'll draw water for the camels. He said, thank you, Lord. <laughs> thank you for sending my master a wife. He takes Rebecca back, sight unseen. He'd never seen this woman. He loves her. And everything works out all right. Listen, you say, well, I don't know how all this camel business and all this stuff. That. Well, listen, work better than what we're doing, don't you think? Yeah, most marriages are based, well, boy, that looks good. That's not the only criteria. That's nice. That helps, but that's not all. And we've got a mess with it like we've got. But I'll tell you, follow God and you never go wrong. Choices.
sacrifice by our heads please